Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. We're joined by Robert Smith, who is, hi Robert, is the Director of Sales Operations at Botify. Now, Robert initially started off life as a BDR and then shifted uh, yeah. into sales operations and now has been running sales operations for a number of startups uh, until this position now. Um, Robert, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Um, were, were they accurate with the, with the BDR description there? Yeah, that was that was part of my journey. So um, originally, um, I started as kind of a junior sales rep um, at, at, um, a financial research firm. And, um, I was there for about three years. I moved into an account management role for a little while. Um, and that's kind of where I got my first taste of what, um, sales operations or an operation based role could do. Uh, I can dive into that a little bit if you. Well, yeah. First, first question is, is how did you get into sales ops? Yeah. So in this, um, this financial research firm, um, uh, as I transitioned into an account management role, I worked with our VP of operations, uh, who's actually who's actually still at the company. So this was a couple of years back for me, uh, and he's uh, he's continued to do great things there. Um, basically, we were rolling out a new product, and in the the CRM that we used, uh, we basically had to kind of go into the back end, design some new fields, collect a lot of data from our clients, um, and, and then that was really the the way we implemented it. It was an alert based system, so. We were gathering information from our clients, and then I was kind of actioning, um, alerting uh, based on what they had given us. And that was really the first time I had seen kind of what the power of, of, of a system could do in that you could take uh, customer insights and kind of translate it into a new product that would make make your client customer base more happy. Um, and then from there, I actually went to uh, a London-based company. I, I mean, I was working out of New York, uh, but uh, an HR tech company called Reward Gateway. Uh, and that's where I was kind of in a BDR position. So it was, it was a very specialized BDR position, I would say, in that um, not responsible to come up with like, you know, 50 or 100 new leads a day. It was more so like five to 10 would be a lot. And it was very, very specialized. And really the, the point of it was to dig into um, 
what our ideal customer looked like. So it was really a, a journey in, in um, collecting data on uh, ICP or ideal customer profile. Uh, and actually at Reward Gateway, that, that BDR position is really what kind of cemented my transition into operations. Uh, so at that, in the New York office and in the US-based um, operation, there was nobody, it, was re it really started with Salesforce. There was nobody managing the US Salesforce instance. Uh, so I had a lot of freedom to play around with that in the day-to-day. So I was able to kind of build some fields to collect um, new pieces of data and then get some reporting together. Uh, and, and I worked with the two heads of our office, our VP of sales, and then the head of the US uh, in terms of kind of what that reporting could show us. At the time, um, the Europe-based uh, piece or part of the company was, was very well established and doing very well. The US kind of had the freedom to be a little bit of experimental. The 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 product uh, was positioned to HR. So obviously HR in Europe operates very differently than HR in the US uh, for a number of reasons. So again, we had freedom to play around with what data we were collecting and then um, really defining what market we were going to sell into. So I was able to kind of hand off um, some of those BDR responsibilities. Uh, I actually kind of built a playbook for it, brought somebody on in the US, trained our London team and our team in Australia. Uh, and then got to move kind of more into that, uh, you know, what would be operations. So a lot of reporting, dashboarding, brought on a few tools to help um, collect client data. Uh, yeah. So just so I understand, the reward gateway BDR position wasn't like a traditional hardcore BDR position. It was almost more strategic because you're trying to work out who to target. Yeah, it was. Um, so they were, it, it was a really cool opportunity. So they were at the time kind of, again, the US was experimental. So they were working on the idea of kind of a sales pod where there would be a really specialized BDR, um, kind of an intro um, salesperson, and then a, like a closing salesperson. Uh, they found success with that pod model. So that's why I kind of, I had the opportunity to roll it out to my colleagues in London and Australia. Uh, and then again, I brought somebody on in the US and then moved over to the, the operational piece. Got it. But what was it? I, I totally understand like the, the role was kind of more like strategic and operational. And was it that you enjoyed that part of work, that part of the job more? And so you shifted to doing that and then brought someone in to do the BDR work. Like, yeah. why did you shift and why did you just stay being a BDR? I shifted because I enjoyed, it was really the system and the system stuff. That's, that's what I enjoyed. And that's what got me into, um, that's what got me into operations. So again, in my, my first position, which was a company called BCA research, they, that was when I got like a taste of what, you know, working with systems and what data could really do, what kind of insights you could get and, and what you could roll out to your customer base. Uh, so I kind of, I knew initially that I liked that. And then when I was at Reward Gateway, I had the opportunity to dig into that a little bit more. And um, as I said, there was really nobody running our Salesforce there. And then there was nobody really producing kind of insightful reporting just for the U.S. Um, so I had, there, there was kind of that room to move into that position. Got it. Uh, so uh, yeah, I kind of, I had, I had some luck there for sure. And then during my time, kind of what solidified it all is during my time at Reward Gateway, they were kind of... Um, in an interesting position in terms of how rounds of investments work. They, they kind of knew when another round was coming, at least the general timeframe. Uh, so I was there for that and I got to work with um, 
as I said, the, our VP of sales and our, and our head of the US in terms of getting some reporting together to kind of tell the story of the US piece of the business, like, uh, you know, the, the total addressable market and what the potential sales could be and what the pitch would be as the company got this next round of investment and moved into the next chapter. So again, I think that was like the final piece that I would say solidified my interest in operations and, and what this role could be um, because I had the chance to kind of take this data and, and help tell a story with it. Got it. And if we fast forward to today at Botify, can you quickly share like the size of the operations team and the size of the sales function that it's supporting, just roughly? Uh, you're looking at the operations team. It's me. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> um, often happens. Um, yeah. So my experience has been in, as you said, in growing tech companies. And, and um, so Botify secured their Series B right before I joined. Um, they, they secured it in February. I joined in March of, um, of this year. Um, and then before that, I was with another Series B company called Way Up. Um, Reward Gateway was about, um, I think, a little under 300. And my first position was was a much more established company. But um, back to your question, yes, I'm the operations, the sales operations team. Um, right before I joined, uh, our, we we brought on a chief marketing officer, and, and she's been great building out her team. So I kind of have two, you know, similarly focused colleagues, but more so just focused on marketing marketing operations, I'd say. Um, and then the sales function, we have uh, globally about 18 um, account executives. So they're split between senior and junior. And then we have um, an SDR, BDR function. Uh, we try to keep it one-to-one. So it's about the same 18. And then uh, we have um, obviously our account managers, customer success managers. Uh, there's about 10 and then we have a few more people who are split between kind of technical implementation or ongoing technical um, uh, technical work. Got it. And what is the current sales tech stack you guys are using? Uh, yeah. So there's there's um, it's it's uh, split up between a few things. So we have obviously Salesforce. Uh, we have LinkedIn Sales Navigator. We have outreach uh, that's mainly for our SDR function to kind of um, send out cadences, track their emails. It gives us activity tracking as well. Um, we have Zoom info to, to help um, enrich the data that we already have. We use HubSpot on the marketing side. Um, as I said, we, we've recently brought on a CMO, so we've been really trying to build out that inbound function. Um, on the customer success side, we use something called Churn Zero. I think that's a, it's been a pretty interesting tool to help implement um, to, to make sure we're tracking customer health score. And then another recent addition has been Gong. So that's been a really cool tool to help um, uh, get some insights into kind of the prospect journey um, and ways that our account execs could deal with um, objections or um, or, you know, we're seeing common roadblocks. And then it's also been great to help um, enable our team and onboard. Got it. And so a few things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a few. Seems to be tying together quite a few different applications. Um, on that point, data quality, is that as the, the sales ops function, is that your job? Uh, yes, it's my job to action. Uh, luckily, uh, I have a, I have a few people uh, throughout the company that help uh, keep their eyes on it. Um, but yeah, data quality in general would fall on me. Um, there is another tool that we have, um, which is more like a, 
a data lake, I would say, or an application that can really take in data from a lot of different places called CaliberMind. Have you, are, are you familiar with them? I think a close, um, a similar company would be like a hull.io. Um, so they, that tool has been helpful to um, gauge uh, data quality and they, they can, um, it's, it's a very good tool to be able to kind of scan your entire CRM as well as other, you know, um, uh, systems you're feeding into it. Cool. And so that'll tell you if you're having data quality issues. Yes, it can. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I guess when you say data quality, um, I initially think of like duplicates or things like that. Um, so we have, you know, obviously the standard Salesforce um, functions turned on. I think with with Spotify, we also have um, we've rolled out uh, um, an, an ICP scoring mechanism, and that's really what's linked to CaliberMind. And in mm. that specifically, there are certain signals we want to make sure are filled out um, that help contribute to the score. If it's you know if it's um, you know really spot on on the bullseye ideal customer, um, or if it's somewhere in the middle or on the lower end, that's based on signals that we have. So CaliberMind helps make sure that we have um, those pieces either filled out or will highlight it to us when they're you know incomplete, something like that. Got it. Now shifting onto your relationship with the sales reps, um, what are you currently doing to make them more productive? Uh, so I, a few things. Um, Again, being being the dedicated operations sales operations resource, uh, there's definitely a, a fair amount of just you know your day to day troubleshooting, making sure they're they're able to um, enter information into the CRM as they need, or get you know quotes out to the customers, uh, things like that. So that's kind of the day to day. I think the more strategic stuff that I'm working on, and the more strategic things you would find in maybe a Series B or Series C tech company, would be growth in the tech stack. Um, so when I think about productivity for them, it's for me right now, I think the best things that, that I've helped with has been, you know, rolling out tools or advocating, advocating for, um, additional resources, um, to, you know, to help them in their day to day. So whether that's getting them access to zoom info or implementing gong and giving the ability, giving them the ability to listen to prospect calls and maybe a sector that they're working on currently, um, and then I, I would add a final piece, which I'm lucky to work with a really great sales enablement manager. Um, and then in terms of productivity, her and I have helped, um, have, have tried to work on, um, you know, kind of perfecting the onboarding experience, her more so than I, but some of the systems that, uh, that we've worked on together have helped. Got it. And do you have any tips on uh, kind of influencing salespeople to do things? Yeah, the, an ongoing challenge of anyone in operations. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, when I think about sales operations, I kind of think you're the bridge between kind of the front office and back office, if that makes sense. So you have to be cognizant of um, the fact that you do need your sales reps to do certain things like fill out data and follow process. But you also don't want to be um, kind of that traditional back office uh, personality where mm -hmm. uh, you lose empathy or the ability to communicate. Yeah. So I think, I think um, when, when I'm thinking about working with salespeople, I think about, you know, having empathy for their role, they deal with, 
a lot of different personalities all day. They're trying to be the, you know, the engine of the company. They deal with projection. Um, so you definitely want to start out at least with a strategy of, of empathy and, and making sure your communication is, is um, you know, coming from that kind of place. Uh, I think from a tactical point of view, having, you know, effective training is, is always good. Um, so we have, again, at Botify, we, another part of our stack is a training platform. Um, so, you know, as you roll out new process, which is common in a, in a growing tech company, things change, you have new products, you introduce new pieces to the, the sales playbook. You want to make sure that you're staying on top of training. And then as you kind of troubleshoot, um, you know, communicate from a place of, of understanding and empathy. Got it. Yeah, I totally agree. Being the link and managing the different personalities and trying to, I really like what you've said about not being the typical back office person. Yeah. We actually have to try and engage because you can just imagine the typical like Salesforce admin or even like developer trying to interact with sales and they, them just like completely clashing. Um, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Can we quickly, you did mention onboarding. Um, do you have any tips on increasing ramp time by doing really good stuff in onboarding? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Onboarding is obviously a, a company effort. Um, and I think at Botify, they've done a, a great job of, um, working on, um, you know, as, as salespeople or customer success people or SDRs come on, <laughs> making sure they understand the culture. And then, um, you know, obviously moving on to kind of that sales playbook or customer success playbook. Um, I think the tips that I would give would be try to make sure you have kind of a scalable and consistent process as soon as you can. So for us, um, it is about a month long process and there are step-by-step -step, um, actions to be taken. So obviously we touch on the culture piece. Um, what Botify sells is, is um, a suite, it's a platform, but it's a, it's a unified suite of applications to help with technical SEO content and ranking. The technical SEO piece um, is really important to cover because, um, because our, our anybody client facing needs to know how to talk about that. So that's another piece of our training. So we kind of touch on culture, we touch on general sales information, you need to have products training. And then um, again, I'm jumping back onto Gong, but um, having kind of a library of calls to listen to is also really, really helpful. So again, our sales enablement manager spends time picking out and adding to a library of, of calls that, that would be helpful. So I think making sure you kind of focus on step-by-step -step and that it can scale as you bring people on. Got it. And then can we, I just have one more question on that. You, sure. you mentioned scalability twice. How can you make, or what have you done to make your onboarding process scalable? Yeah, that's, um, I guess to just jump back one step, I guess the reason I'm always going to scalability is again, my experience has been in growing tech companies, you know, series B, series C, and it's all about scalability. You want to make sure that the process you're implementing can work for 50 employees or 50 salespeople and a hundred. Um, you don't want it to break somewhere in the middle. Uh, so that's kind of been my experience and, and what I think in those terms. Um, you know, it, it, it holds true probably to anybody in operations, but um, I think specifically during high growth. So uh, to answer your specific question about um, onboarding and making it scalable, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think what we have right now that's been working is we do have we do legitimately actually have established playbooks, and it's you know they're broken into you know you could say chapters, um, and part of that is for us split into that technical training I was mentioning before, you know, listening to recordings and then ending with shadowing. So, uh, I think just having those firmly established pieces and actually having a legitimate playbook is, has been what's been, um, what's helped make the onboarding process scalable. And I, and I would, it, to be candid that a lot of that was in place before I joined, I've, uh, you know, given my feedback and it's, I think it's been kind of tweaked and perfected, um, um, you know, every single day. Got it. Moving on to forecasting, how does the sales forecasting process work and are you kind of responsible for creating it? Uh, I'm involved in it uh, and I'm, I'm, I've been responsible for, um, uh, I guess, the structure of the reporting uh, and um, kind of ongoing tweaks there. Uh, what we do uh, is we have, um, oh, I guess to give a little bit of context, so we have sales reps in our Paris office, London, New York, and Seattle. So kind of that being, being a global company is, is, uh, presents its own challenges. So what we do is we, we pick a time every week that works across the time zones. Uh, and we have uh, each sales lead from those offices join a call with our um, SVP of, or our head of global sales who, who sits in New York, um, who I work with uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and we have a few, you know, um, specific reports that we go into. We have a few specific fields in Salesforce that kind of indicate the strength of, of um, the forecast by a specific team or specific team member. And we just dive into that for about an hour. Got it. And so are you bringing the data to that meeting if I want to review? I've created the... Um, the dashboarding that we all look at, um, our, our head of global sales runs the meeting. Um, but as we discuss, if there's kind of any any tweaks or anything that stands out, like uh, you know, we'll dig into it and dig into it kind of after the meeting and circle back from there. So I walk out of that meeting um, every time with with you know a few things to to dig into or resolve or or um, you know find out more about. Yep, and then in your experience. In sales operations, which has been your favorite sales KPI? Which has been my favorite? I like that question. Um, uh, well, you know, monthly bookings is a really exciting one if you're in a good place. Uh, I think uh, so. That can be very exciting too, especially especially in a growing company when you have goals and you hit those goals. It's it's a great feeling across a company. Uh, I think I would say value. I would say instead of saying favorite, I might say ones that I would think about in terms of health and that you're moving in the right direction would probably be average sales cycle, average deal size. Um, I think for any business that has already has a robust, um, you know, customer base renewal rate is super important, especially in a SaaS business. Um, yeah, I, w- I would probably say a combination of those, those three. That Got I mentioned. it. And final question, who do you know who has taught you the most about sales operations? You know, there's actually been a lot of people. Um, 
everywhere I've been, when I've been in an operational role, I've, uh, you know, I've, or sales operations, I've kind of been the only sales operations person. Um, so I've, I've, I feel like I've learned throughout my career from people who didn't necessarily have that title, but who had, you know, a similar thought process. To give you one caveat, I, I think the reason that happens and probably happens to a lot of sales operations people is at my, uh, one of another company I worked at Flashpoint, my manager was the, had a finance and we had a couple conversations about it. And he, he always said like, you can't go to college or university for sales operations. So you, everybody kind of falls into it in a way. Hmm. Um, so, uh, I mean, I think at each company I worked at, there were, there were, there was somebody that I learned something from. So at UCA research, there was a, um, a guy, his name is Dennis Metcalf. He's still there. He's now their VP of sales operations. They didn't even have a sales operations title when I was there. So um, I think that, you know, shows that he, he already had that mindset and then, you know, was a great fit for that role. Um, I, the, the company I worked at way up, there was um, a person named Aten, Aten Garg. He actually moved into the private sector, but he was our head of finance. I learned a ton from him, um, you know, f- understanding, how to look at, um, you know, revenue from the company perspective, as well as like, you know, little day-to-day things like great Excel tricks, um, at Flashpoint, um, Rob Resnick, he's, he's their VP of finance and corporate development. Um, also super operationally focused. Um, I learned a ton from him. Um, and then, uh, I think to jump back to reward gateway, there were two people, um, Tom Lavery and Shelly Packer, they actually now have their own sales training and sales, uh, sales training platform called Jiminy. Um, so, you know, they were entrepreneurial, obviously, but both had a great um, insight into, um, you know, making a business scalable and, and how to, you know, set up a, an operational framework, obviously to the point that they've created their own company. Um, so, yeah, so I think those are the people that come to the top of my mind when I think about, you know, uh, people that I've learned from in this space. Yep. Awesome. Well, let me pick out what I thought was particularly valuable there. Um, your point, which I hadn't actually had before about sales operations, linking back office and front office and, and the soft skills that you need as a sales person to, to be that link, I think is super important. Um, onboarding being a company effort, which I think is quite interesting. Normally it's just given to sales ops or sales enablement and then, people would just like say hi to the new person, but they won't actually get engaged in the onboarding. Uh, so I think that's important. And then the the answer, and I agree with this as well, to the scalable uh, onboarding process, I totally agree, uh, is playbooks. It's like documenting everything that you have and having like a living, breathing playbook that gets updated and tweaked and improved as, as we go on. So those are the things I particularly liked. Um, I'm glad to hear and, that. And, <laughs> Any final sales ops gems that you'd like to share with the audience, Rob? Oh, sales ops gems. Yeah, I think uh, even touching on my last point about people who who I've learned from, there isn't, you know, at this point, a university degree for sales operations. Mm. So if you're interested in it or, or you, you know, you have the, um, you think you have the mindset to dive into it, a way to succeed is to really, you know, lean on, lean on similar people or people that you, you know, that you think you can learn from in that regard. And then also 
because there isn't kind of a degree system for it, there's actually a huge community that you can learn from. So, um, you know, dive into things like this podcast or, um, dive into things like Google groups or meetups, um, or, um, online forums. Um, there's actually to, I, I would jump back to, uh, this is not a part of my current tech stack, but I've used it before, which, um, a tool called Inside Square. They have they have a yearly operation focused conference. So actually, one year it was sales operations, and then they kind of grew into revenue operations. But there are you know great conferences out there. Uh, so I think it, for anybody who wants to grow in this field, um, those are great resources to dive into. And there we go, Rob Smith, the director of sales operations at Spotify. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.